you got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to be as we continue to go through the book of Acts. The message simply today is entitled, Silver and Gold I Do Not Have. Silver and Gold I Do Not Have. Now, isn't it funny? We love to throw money at things. Have you ever noticed that? As, as Christians, we'll throw money at things. But I have learned that money can't buy everything, can it? Now, we learned a long time ago, money can't buy you love, right? It can buy you a wife but it can't buy you love. Uh, (laughs) Some of y'all get that later. Money can't buy love. It just can't do it. No matter how hard you try, now you you can think that it will ease things, it'll make things easier, but it cannot buy love. Money can't buy happiness. No matter how hard you try, you can buy and buy and buy, but if you'll notice something, something newer, something better is always coming out. You notice they produce a brand new iPhone every single year right? Have you seen those people that get in line to be the first ones to have it as soon as it comes out? It just blows my mind. I'm like, I will wear my phone out till it can no longer keep going. I do that with vehicles too. There are people like that. They think that buying the latest, greatest, and the best will bring them happiness, but it will not. They also think that money can buy them purpose, that it will give them a drive and a desire in life. But to be honest with you, money can take away from the purpose in which God has called you to do. We also see that money can't buy several other things as well. We find that we do this with the needy. We'll try to throw money at the needy, but let's be honest. One of the greatest things that I learned a long time ago was not to give a kid a fish, but to teach a kid to fish. We can give to those that are needy, but unless we help them get out of their circumstances, guess what? They'll continue to be needy again and again And again, and I promise you, our government does not have a system to get them out of it. The church needs to. We've got to be there to understand that money can't do everything. We also do that with missions. We also do it with missions. You say, well, how so? Because I've heard people make this statement. I've heard pastors make this statement. And it drives me crazy. They'll say, giving is the same as going. No, it isn't. That is a cop-out for people who just don't want to go on mission. You cannot give and give money so that somebody gets saved. There is nothing like being on the field, sharing the gospel with people, telling them about Jesus, and they give their life to the Lord. You say, well, my money helped. Yes, it did, but it's not the same as doing it yourself. You can't give to get away from doing what God has called you to do. We'll do it in church as well. I've heard people say this, they talk about a tithe, and they'll say, well, you should tithe the tenth of your time and your talent and your treasure. No, no, no. The only thing that we're called to tithe is of our treasure. We should give God 10%. We got to give God all of our time, not a part of our time. We ought to give God all of our talent, not a part of our talent. It's for him to use it, not for us to use it for our own glory and our own honor. Money can't buy everything, and it certainly can't keep us in the right direction that we need to be going in as a church. We need to become focused and recognize these words that Peter and John said, Silver and gold I do not have, but I promise you I have something much, much greater. Let's take a look at it this morning. We're going to look at three stages in the healing of the lame man. Three stages in the healing of the lame man. The first one we want to look at is the ailment of the man. Look with me in verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth 
hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Now, let me go ahead and make an interpretation for you so that you understand. The word alms, you might as well just call it money so that we understand it. They were begging for money. Now, look at this. It says, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. There were actually three hours of prayer that they considered. They considered morning, noon, and night. In other words, at 9 a.m. at noon and at 3 p.m., they had calls to prayer. They actually had specific times. Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17 tell us this, that there were three hours of prayer. So when it says here that they went at the ninth hour, now when we think of the ninth hour, we think that means 9 a.m. But if you go by the Jewish time calendar, what it would actually refer is from the moment they got up at 6 a.m., it was nine hours past that. So this would be 3 p.m. This would be the afternoon time of prayer. This would be when the most people were actually gathered there at that place to worship, to give their prayers, to see the sacrifices given. That's when they would be there. And this guy had Happened to be there when Peter and John just walked by. In verse 2 it says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb. Now you need to understand this is a very important part of the story. That he was lame from his mother's womb. This young man never walked. This young man never got up. Now, isn't it interesting? We see children as they develop, as little children. Have you ever been in the, anybody ever worked nursery? Most blessed part of church to be able to work at is nursery. I just want to say that. I want to go on record as saying that. To me, one of the most important ministries we have in the church is working in the nursery, watching those babies, watching those toddlers. But you know, it's funny because you'll begin to see parents get a little concerned as their child begins to be six months and nine months and one year because they think they're supposed to be certain stages. Now, you think about six months, that baby's going to start crawling. And if that baby hadn't started crawling by six months, you got mamas going, what's wrong with my baby? Is my baby slow? What's wrong with my, why is my baby not crawling yet? And you'll also see some of those babies, they won't use hands and knees. They'll army crawl. You ever seen them babies that army crawl? Them some tough babies right there. I'm telling you, they don't care about carpet burn. But you think about it. They are just moving on up. And, and then you think by about the time they're one, you start to see them pull up on stuff. You start to see them get a little bit adventurous and start walking off. And if they're not walking by one, you see mama's going, is, is, is something wrong? Do I need to get some help? Does somebody need to help my baby? You'll start to see other parents telling them all the things they need to be doing. Isn't that amazing? You will have a plethora of counselors when you think something's wrong with your kid. And the funny ones are the ones that don't have kids. They are experts. Don't have no kids. They're experts. But you'll see them. They'll begin to take their little hands, and they'll walk with them. And then a the baby. I'm going to tell you what the problem is a lot of these babies. You carry them too much. Y'all spoil these kids. I'm telling you. Make them crawl on gravel. It'll be good for them. Um, <laughs> Y'all are like, don't ever give that man another kid. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, you think about it. From his mother's womb, this, this baby, had, this child had never walked. This adult had never walked. This is important because he wants to build the story here for you to understand what this guy's situation was. He had never, 
ever walk from his mother's womb. There are several instances where diseases were brought about from the mother's womb. And I want you to understand, the disciples in John 9, they asked the question. They said, well, was it because of his sin or because of his mother's sin? I want you to understand, if kids come out that way, if kids come out special, and yes, I call them special. If they come out special because they're very special. I hope you understand special in a good way. When they come out that way, parents all the time ask, well, did I do something wrong? You didn't do something wrong. God has blessed you. God has blessed you immensely. And God knows that you can handle a child like that because they're a blessing. And I'm here to tell you, they're some of the most special kids you'll ever meet. So don't ever think, was it my sin or was it the child? It was nobody's sin. It was God's blessing in your life. Those children are precious and they are a blessing to us. This guy, was, he was like this from the moment he came out of his mother's womb. And it says, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. He had to have help every single day. He had friends that would obviously pick him up, carry him to the temple, and set him down. Now, what's interesting is he sat at the gate. It's because he couldn't go into the temple. You know that those that were lame, those that had ailments like that, were not allowed into the temple according to Leviticus chapter 21. They weren't allowed to enter in beyond the gates. So he was seated at the gate. But let's be honest, what's one of the best places if you wanted to come and hold up a sign that said, I need some money, it'd be at the door of the church. Why? Because if you're walking in with other people, you don't want to seem pious, you'll all of a sudden pull out your wallet and throw a little money in there. He knew that. They're on their way to worship God. What better way to worship God than to give to those who are in need? And he was seated at the gate. He was ready to receive. And it says in verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but there are those who ask for money. They get really good at knowing who's going to give and who's going to walk by. They know who... Now, I'm, I'm going to hold this one on. All right. They know who is willing with a gracious heart... To help them in their time of need. And they know who is just going to walk right on by. And this guy spotted Peter and John. And he saw something about them. And he knew. He knew that they would help him out. But let's not look at just the ailment of the man. Let's look at the approach by the disciples. Look at verse 4 to 7. And fixing his eyes on them with John. Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by his right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Verse 4, Peter and John are walking by, and they say, look at us. You might say, why is that important? Well, you got to understand something. If they're going to be looking, if they want him to look at them, he's in anticipation that something is getting ready to happen. Why? Because they could have done like everybody else. And you, you've probably done this before. You see that person on the side of the street and they're holding a sign and you're in your car and isn't it amazing how you don't see them? They're over here and you're looking this way. I don't know what's so fascinating that's over here, but you ain't looking over there. And some reason you can find a way to have a conversation with the invisible person to the right of you as well. And you're not going to look over to the left. That's what a lot of people would have done. They'd have just walked right by this guy and not even paid him any attention. Or better yet, some people would have just walked by, dropped something in his plate and kept on going. They didn't want his attention. They didn't want to spend their time with someone who was lame. Somebody that couldn't give them anything in return. But Peter and John simply say, look at 
us. In verse 5 it says, so he gave him his attention and expectation to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Could you imagine what that guy's face had to have looked like at that point? He's begging for money. Well, we don't have money. (sighs) Can you imagine how he must have felt? That's kind of like you go up to these people and they've got signs up that says, we'll work for food. And you offer to go get them food and you watch them hang their head and go, no, I don't want food. Doesn't that just drive you crazy? Well, I got a job. Well, I don't want a job either. What do you mean? That's exactly what this guy was in anticipation of. All he wanted was money. All he wanted was something to carry on. Now imagine this, if you will, had Peter and John given him money, they couldn't have given him the more important gift that they have. You know what's interesting is Peter and John were still following something that Jesus had told them when they went out. They were going out two by two. And Peter and John didn't carry money with them because Jesus had told them, don't keep a money bag, Matthew chapter 10. Don't take a money bag with you. Don't carry any money with you. I'll supply. I'll take care of you as you go. That's in verse 9. I will make certain you have what you need. You don't need silver and gold. You don't need a money bag. You need to just go because I've called you to go. Don't allow money to hinder you from not going. I try to tell people that when they go on a mission trip. They're like, I don't know that I can raise the money. You go and you trust that God will take care of the money. You go and be obedient to God. God will take care of the silver and gold because he owns it all anyways. You just do what God's calling you to do. This guy comes up and Peter and John say, silver and gold I do not have. But I love this. But what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And can you imagine? This guy has never walked. This guy has never had his feet underneath him. We don't know if he's ever even crawled. We don't get that part of the story. But we know he's been lame from birth, so he's never walked. He's never had use of his legs. He's never been able to put his feet up underneath him. And Peter and John go by and say, I tell you what, I want you to get up and I want you to walk. Now, can you imagine what this guy's face must have been like? He probably looked at them dumbfounded like, are you kidding me? I can't do that. I've never done that. I've never known what it's like to have strength in my legs. I don't know what it's like to get up and walk. I've never been able to do. How dare you be so insensitive? Now, they weren't being insensitive. They were trying to give him the greatest gift they could give. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ. The whole purpose in getting him to get up and walk was to tell him about this Jesus who made him walk. That's what it was all about. Silver and gold I do not have, but I give you one of the greatest things, the greatest thing I can give you, and that's in the name of Jesus Christ. It said that Thomas Aquinas and one of the cardinals of the Catholic Church were walking by one day. As they were walking by, they found a beggar that was on the street And the cardinal went over and he dropped some coins into the coffer for the guy who was begging. And he looked over at Thomas Aquinas and he said, It's great that we can no longer say silver and gold we do not have. Thomas Aquinas looked at the cardinal and he said, We can also not say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, we try to throw money when God wants to use you. God wants to use you. The question is, do you believe like this? Do you have the kind of power? Do you have the kind of faith that says, you know what? I know my God can heal you. I'll be honest with you. When we pray over people, a lot of times we'll bring them forward. We'll say, you know what? Let's, let's anoint you with oil. Let's do what James 5 says and let's pray over you. But one of the things that I put out there, one of the things that I say is, if you don't believe that God can heal, please don't come up. 
Because a lot of people, they don't want to believe. They, they can't believe. They can't fathom that God can do that. But I've seen God heal breast cancer when we anoint it with oil and we pray. And then they go into the doctor and the doctor says, I don't know where the spot is. And she goes, I know where it went. We've seen God do things like that. God is still in the business of healing. God is still in the business of doing great things. But we have lost the faith. I'm going to tell you what kind of faith they had. Look at verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. He didn't just say, get up. He, he went over and he grabbed the dude and he stood him up. Can you imagine? I mean, now he, you really got to believe. Because could you imagine if the guy is sitting there lame and he gets picked up and his legs don't work? He goes this. Right? But they had faith to believe that, guess what? If I pick him up and I pull him up, God's going to strengthen those ankles. God's going to strengthen those calves. God's going to use those knees that hadn't been used before. This guy's going to get up, and he's going to walk. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Peter. When Jesus told him, and Peter said to him, he said, I want to come out there where you're at, on the water. And Jesus said, come on. That's John transliteration there. But come on. Now, when you think about it, we think about little rowboats. Well, a rowboat's not going to hold 12 men and Jesus. So this was a bigger boat that had a bigger side. Peter didn't just crawl over it because he had to keep his eyes on Jesus the whole time, didn't he? As long as his eyes were on Jesus, he didn't sink. He walked on water. So Peter didn't just crawl over. Peter had to hop out of the boat and keep his eyes on Jesus and just start walking. It took faith. Because you imagine, because if we jump out of a boat, we know where we're going, right? Right down. Peter had to have faith to jump out of the boat, keep his eyes on Jesus, and walk on the water. Peter and John had such faith that when they said, rise up and walk, they really believed this guy was going to get up and walk. So they grabbed him by the hand, they pulled him up, and look at what it says. It says, and immediately, they didn't have to pray over him again. It says, immediately. His feet and ankle bones received strength. Man, when Jesus heals, it's immediate, instantaneous. He healed this man to where he could walk. Oh, but this is not even the best part of the story. Just wait. Let's look at number three, the amazement of the crowd. Let's begin in verse eight. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him. Walking, leaping, praising God. And all the people saw him walking, praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as a lame man who was healed, held on to Peter and John. And all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. Look at verse 8. This is so cool. So he, what? Leaping up. I'm, once he got up on his feet, he didn't go Where's my walker? Where's my cane? I need somebody to hold me up. Help me. He stood up. And after he stood up, he didn't walk. He started leaping. Woo! He was excited. He got his feet. He was able to walk. He had never walked before. This guy was, in, he was just amazed himself. He didn't know how to control himself. He didn't know how to keep it in. And he just started leaping. He was leaping throughout the temple. Now, can you imagine all the prudes in the church? Right? Kids don't run in church. 
And here's some adult leaping through the church because he's so excited he can't help himself. Let me tell you something. When Jesus touches you, you don't care about the fuddy-duddies in church. When Jesus touches you, there's such excitement, nobody can take it away from you. This guy leaped up. They pulled him up. And I can imagine he didn't just get up and stand like this. It says he leaped up, which means as they pulled him, he went ahead and jumped. He leaped. In fact, Isaiah 35 in verses 5 and 6 talk about when Jesus healed, when the, when the servant was coming and he was going to heal, they'd leap up like deer. They'd leap up like deer. This guy is a point in case of that. He is so excited. It says, stood and walked and entered the temple then. Walking, leaping, and praising God. I bet you there was a ruckus in God's house that morning. You know what I'm talking about. There's a ruckus. Why is somebody happy going to church? Right? Why is somebody, why are you happy? Why are you laughing? We don't do that in church. It's like a library. Be quiet. Calm yourself down. We don't get excited in church. We certainly don't leap in church. We can praise God, but only when the piano plays, when it stops playing, quieten down. We can't get excited. Don't go leaping. Don't get excited. Don't get happy. Don't show yourself. We can't do those things because we just might be Pentecostal. Some of y'all need to get a little Pentecostal. I'm here to tell you. Some of y'all need to tell your face you're praising God too. Leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple. And then walking, leaping and praising God. They were not going to stop him. They were not going to put him down. I promise you there was a back corner committee that after they saw this guy leaping in church, they got together and said, we're going to have to do something about this. They can't have this going on in the church. This is not how churches run. This is not how we do things around here. We're going to have to get that committee together, and we're going to have to have a talk. We're going to have to bring the deacons on board and have a conversation with them deacons because they got to know everything that's going on, all the problems, all the issues in the church. we got to bring it to their case. we got to tell everybody what's going on. we got to stop it because if the Lord gets moving, God help us. Some of y'all need the Lord to move on you today. Some of y'all need God to jump on you today. Some of y'all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Because I'm here to tell you, you couldn't keep this guy down. You ain't going to keep me down either. It's just not going to happen. He leaped. And I love verse 9. It says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. That means he drew such a ruckus. Those that were turned around, turned around to look at what was going on. What is this guy doing? He drew all attention. Now, understand, he wasn't drawing attention for himself, as we're going to see in just a moment. He wasn't drawing attention to himself. He was praising God. I promise you, as he got excited in the church, people wanted to know, why is this guy excited about praising God? Why is he excited? Why is he all over the place? Why is this dude jumping? They were wondering what was going on, verse 10. Then they knew. They knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I I bet you there was one in the crowd that said, dude, that guy's been duping us for 30 years. He's been able to walk the whole time. His friends probably thought to themselves, 
Don't have to carry them no more. (laughs) But you think about it. They looked and they knew who it was. You know what's funny? In Acts chapter 4, after they arrest the disciples, after they arrest Peter and John, they say, we know a miracle has happened. We can't deny it. We know who this guy was. We know his history. We know everything about him. We know we've never seen him walk. We've never seen him crawl. We've never seen him use those legs. We've never seen him excited. We've never seen him happy. We've always seen him begging. We know something has happened. And I love verse 11. Now, the, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in a porch, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. You don't know what this lame man was doing? These are the guys. These are the guys. Listen to these guys. I'm telling you, they got something for you. They don't have gold and silver, but they got something better. Listen to these guys. I'm telling you, these guys know what they're talking about. These guys know what they're doing. I promise you, there was a crowd that gathered around. You got to understand, at this point, there's already 3,000 in the church. They already have a pretty big church after Pentecost. This isn't long after Pentecost, and all of a sudden, another group gathers around, and they're going, what are these nuts doing again? And this guy's going, listen, listen, you know where I was. You know who I was. You know what I did, but listen to these guys. They got some news for you. You need to pay attention. This guy was so excited. He wanted everybody to know what he knew. When you know Jesus, you want everybody to know who you know. I've never understood a Christian that could remain quiet. I've never understood a Christian that's ashamed to tell people they know Jesus. There are no secret disciples. There are no secrets in the church. If you know Jesus, you ought to let people know. They ought, to, they ought to know by your actions. They ought to know by your worship. They ought to know by your praise of God. They ought to get excited with you because you're so, I'm going to tell you, it's funny. You could be at a baseball game. If somebody beside you gets excited, you all of a sudden get excited. If somebody over here starts the wave, somebody over here feels like they got to keep going. Have you ever noticed that? Only one person has to do it. One person stands up and does this. Somebody else in the church will do this, right? I do not want an email this week. Please don't. (laughs) They were excited. He was excited. And all he wanted to do was let everybody hear what had happened. He wanted everybody to know. Man, I'm going to tell you, to be here during this time would have been awesome. I can just imagine this guy leaping through the temple. The gawking. The scowling, the people looking at him, and he didn't care. He brought them to Peter and John. He said, you know what? I don't care what you think of me. I love David when David danced before the Lord and his wife, Mikhail, got on to him. Said, you look like a fool. He said, I'll be a fool for God. Let me tell you something. Don't be afraid to be a fool for God because it's the fools he saves. It's the less and the demeaning he saves. It's those that are in need he saves. It's not those who think they're righteous. Not those who are pious. He saves those who are understanding of their need. My question for you today is real simple. What do you have to praise God for? What do you have to praise God for? Man, this week was awesome. I love VBS. I get to run around and play with kids. I got to swing with kids and go down slides with kids. I got to play kickball with the youth and beat them. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. I love it. I'm telling you, I love it. But the most important thing was that Thursday when we come in here and we got to share the gospel. And what was so cool is we had several people that helped us with counseling because after we share the gospel, we don't want kids to just raise a hand and pray a prayer. We're going to go back and talk to them. And we took about 70 kids back and talked with them, and 40 of them were ready to give their lives to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if you can't get excited about that, and then when Rachel brings up the offering thing on that, on that Friday, and she brings it up, and I'm looking, and I'm going, what? That can't be the grand total. That, they didn't bring that much in today. I'm t- the last day, they brought in over $3,000. And I looked at that, and I thought, what in the world? Praise God. Tears started coming to my eyes. I started thinking to myself, wow, God, we're going to be able to buy the land and help with the church. And, man, it got exciting. There's, I'm telling you. Anybody saved in here this morning? You, you praising God for that? We have so much to praise God for. And it just drives me crazy when I see Christians that can't get excited over what Jesus is doing. Are you praising the Lord? Do you have faith like Peter and John that you can lift them up and believing God's going to heal them? I'm telling you, my God is still in the business of doing miracles. My God is still in the business of saving souls. My God is still in the business of changing lives.